your news, your entertainment, your business. We're on a mission from God. This is the Rich Rothman Show. Hello, everybody. Rich Rothman right here on 1360 WKAT. On the Rich Rothman Show, standing in front of me in the booth is Wanda Miles. Hello, Wanda. Peace and love to everyone. I want to have peace and love for everybody out there. Everyone, peace yeah. and love to you. A peace and love to everybody. It's Friday, and everybody likes Friday. We already know that nobody's working in Miami right now because it's the summer, and it's uh, 4 o'clock, and it's Friday, and people are starting to head out and you know head down to the Keys, go over to the Key, uh, head north, go up to Orlando, do something. But one thing you do in South Florida is get outside the best you can. And one of the neat things about the summers down here is that even though it gets warm, it's really not hot, hot, hot. You know, I, you know, when you talk about people in the Midwest and they get these 103, 105 degrees, when I was there, it was 105 degrees a few days, a couple of years ago, and I was spending seven months going back and forth. And I thought I could handle heat coming from South Florida, but man, you get that Midwest heat, it just kills you. Is it Africa it, hot? It is really <laughs> hot. I mean, it is hot. And then you get humid and it's miserable. At least here we have these nice breezes, you know. You, we should really appreciate the fact that we live in South Florida in spite of the fact we get hurricanes every now and then. Hey, I'm happy. But you know what? I'm hey, digging so it. am I. But uh, exciting to be with you today. Uh, well, you can find us on the richrothmanshow.com where we stream. We also uh, are on iTunes. Oh, yeah. And uh, we're also on 1360wkat.com. Okay, little little show music so we can talk about the show. That's right. Right here today on the Rich Rothman Show. We have Neil Asbury. Come on down, Neil. Yeah. All right, Neil. Neil is going to be talking about the WTO, the UN, and what it really means about Brazil. That's right. Of course. And what else do we have today, Rich? Well, I'll be glad to tell you. Also on the show today, around the 5 o'clock hour, we're going to have WFOR Craig Setzer. Oh, my goodness. Come on down, yes. Craig. He's the best. He's the best. He knows the weather. He's friendly with the clouds. I don't know what that means, but it sounds good to me. He's like an angel. He's like an angel. Yes, he's angelic. He has all the information. And following that, guess who else we have? Who, which? I'm going to tell you. Okay. Following that, we're going to have the woman, the person, the wonderful Ph.D., <laughs> Mary Beth Stanick. From General Motors. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. We're going to be talking about the Volt. The Volt? The, I didn't say Volt. The Volt. Oh, goody. This is one of the sexiest cars that GM has ever produced. And it's going to turn them around. Anyway, we're going to have wonderful Mary Beth Stanek on the show and our good friend, um, um, um. Pat Catania. Oh, he's back. Pat is back. Oh, cool. He's back. He's going to be talking a little bit more about... What it's like to uh, watch out for your home during a hurricane and the things that you can do to protect yourself from your insurance company. Something I'm going through right now with my wonderful homeowner's policy because they pulled out of the state. Oh, yeah? Oh, yes. Sorry and they're being really freaky about everything. So um, I'm working with these folks at East uh, Coast Public Adjusters to do something about my house. So anyway, so that's the show. We've got a lot of stuff going on the show today, and I'm kind of excited by it. So let's um, let's get some of the... Uh, the uh, the information out to you. And let's talk a bit. London subway bombing trial jury fails to reach a verdict. And uh, for those of you who don't remember, you know, a couple of years ago, they had the bombings in uh, London, both in the subway and on the buses. And uh, it was the worst attack on uh, on Britain, uh, London, uh, since World War II. And uh, they, uh, 
you know, it's amazing that uh, England, uh, the UK specifically, as I say England, UK, uh, London, uh, uses a lot of video, and they, they just record every block. And as a result of that, they were able to capture some of the guys who were uh, really bad nasties, who were out there doing uh, mean, nasty stuff. And they brought them to trial. And the problem is the, uh, they can't, the jury can't reach a, uh, a verdict. A jury announced Friday that it failed to reach verdicts in the case of three men accused of helping to plan the London subway and bus bombings in 2005, which was the worst attack on Britain's capital since World War II. British prosecutors said they couldn't immediately confirm whether or not they will seek a retrial in the case. The three men who acknowledged at their trial that they knew the four London suicide bombers are the only people so far charged over the attacks on the capital's transit network. That killed 52 commuters on three subway trains and a bus. And, and they got them as a result of, you know, incredible video stuff that the Brits have. I mean, they just had video after video after video. And um, anyway, so the, the, I guess, you know, the problem is very often people are trying to be politically correct, and that's going to just kill you someday. But um, see, the thing is this. They didn't really set the bombs off, these guys. They scouted to where to put the bombs. That's what they did. And all their computer stuff that they got when they arrested these miserable, you know, terrorists uh, uh, had every spot where the bombs would go and things like that. But it, they didn't blow them up. So I guess the uh, the uh, folks in the juries over there uh, felt that uh, since they didn't actually pull the trigger, they were just misguided youths, um, and or in my cousin Vinny's case, misguided youths uh, who were uh, out there. Just doing their, their children thing, you know, setting the bombs off or setting them or telling people where to put bombs. Guy, wouldn't that be fun? Uh, if I have about a minute left, I'm going to talk real quick about something. Do I have a minute? Yes, you do. Okay, good. Let me, uh, let me just talk a little bit about Sitco and Venezuela and Hugo Chavez. Um, and you may have noticed, and this has been circulating, and you all know this, but I want to repeat it again so we don't get lax about it. Uh, Sitco, ixnay on Sitco. Do not go to Sitco. Sitco was owned by Hugo Chavez. In Venezuela, the guy hates America, takes the money and uses it to thwart our efforts all over Latin America. And you may notice that a lot of Sitco stations are disappearing, but they're coming back as a different type of station. Aha. Oh. Uh -huh. hmm. They're coming back as Petro Express. <laughs> Sneaky. Petro Express. So if you see a Petro Express, don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. You heard it here. Do not go. Do not give money to Hugo Chavez. He is a bad, bad guy. Smack and uh, you know what? We're gonna have to buy. We buy. Listen, we give money to these, you know, SOBs anyway, over in the Middle East. But um, not him. Close by, and he's he's really hurting this hemisphere, this part of the world. So uh, let's be careful with that. Okay, we're gonna be right back. And we have uh, Neil Asbury coming on in the first hour, and I've got uh, tons of stuff to talk about, including a bunch of stuff on General Motors. You're going to want to hear this. Don't go anywhere. Bye. If you'd like to improve and advance your business career and gain insight into developing top leadership qualities, then you need to register for the Skills for Effective Management program at Florida International University. This two-day program, which runs July 14th through July 15th, teaches leaders and prospective leaders how to foster a collaborative team-based business. It will help you develop effective skills and strategies that are essential for personal and organizational success. You will gain essential management communication skills, creative problem-solving strategies, negotiation tactics to help optimize outcomes 
outcomes and new methods for enhancing how your employees interact, especially in a team environment. Don't miss out on this opportunity to build on your career. To enroll for FIU's Skill for Effective Management program starting July 14th, please call 305-348-4217 at Florida International University for more details or registration. Pizza Fusion, America's greenest restaurant, is now open in Weston, saving the earth one pizza at a time. Pizza Fusion serves a gourmet and organic menu of pizza, focaccia sandwiches, wraps, desserts, beer, and wine. All Pizza Fusion items are served in their purest form, untainted by the artificial additives such as sweeteners, pesticides, preservatives, and hormones. Enjoy our fresh salads, breads, dips, wraps, and pizzas. All mates order upon your request with specialty toppings like goat cheese, Key West shrimp, wild lobster, spinach, eggplant, feta cheese, and more. It's all organic, natural, and delicious at Pizza Fusion. Come in today to Pizza Fusion at 2378 Weston Road in Weston and build your own pizza. Call 954-641-5353 for more information. Pizza Fusion in Weston. Saving the earth one pizza at a time. It might be as simple as a water heater that bursts and floods your home. It could be as devastating as a fire that destroys your home. Either way, you need someone to represent you to make sure you get the maximum compensation from your insurance company. You need someone who knows how to prepare claims accurately. You need someone who can help you get a prompt and equitable settlement. You need East Coast Public Adjusters, one of the largest and most dependable firms in the insurance industry. East Coast Public Adjusters will be there for you every step of the way. From the initial evaluation and throughout the preparation of your claim. Sometimes people settle claims with their insurance company only to realize they're entitled to much more. East Coast Public Adjusters will help you reopen your claim and try to get you the money you need. If you've suffered damage to your home from flood, fire, lightning, wind or smoke damage, or even theft, you need East Coast Public Adjusters. Call East Coast Public Adjusters today. 305-441-0882. 305-441. 1882 or on the web at eastcoastadjusters.com. A new terminal that is larger than some mid-sized U.S. airport. The new Miami International Airport. A new 350-space ground-level short-term parking lot. The new Miami International Airport. The only U.S. airport with sleep pods. The new Miami International Airport. The international gateway to the Americas with more flights to South America than all U.S. airports combined. The new Miami International Airport. And coming soon, 61 new retail and food shops to add to your airport savoir-faire. Come experience the new Miami International Airport and watch us move towards the future. The new Miami International Airport. Seaboard Marine is an ocean transportation company that provides direct regular service between the United States and the Caribbean Basin, Central and South America. Seaboard Marine's success in the region for nearly 25 years has enabled it to expand into new markets, now serving nearly 40 ports in over 20 countries. Seaboard Marine's facilities include a private terminal of nearly 70 acres at the Port of Miami. Seaboard Marine carries more cargo to and from the Port of Miami than any other carrier. Although this facility complies with and exceeds all governmental security mandates, it operates seven days a week, 365 days a year, a unique convenience for its customers. Seaboard Marine serves these routes from Miami, Bahamas, Grand Cayman, Colombia, Dominican Republic, Eastern Caribbean, Haiti, Jamaica, North Central America, South Central America, Venezuela, and the West Coast of South America, including Peru, Chile, Bolivia. Seaboard Marine, a trade leader in the Western Hemisphere. 
Wallet feeling the crunch these days? The Florida Marlins have a way to save with the Marlins Free 5-Pack. Presented by Pollo Tropical. Buy a 5-Pack and get a second 5-Pack free. Packs start at just $75. That's right, only $75. Pick the games of your choice. See the Marlins battle the Cubs, Mets, Phillies, and others. You pick. Bring your kids. Bring your buddy. Bring your wife. The Marlins Free 5-Pack presented by Pollo Tropical. Get yours today. Call 1-877-MARLINS or go to FloridaMarlins.com. Marlins Baseball. You gotta be here. No one covers local, national, and world news like Rich Rothman. And no one covers local, national, and world shipping like DHL. DHL. Customer service is back in shipping. Your news. Your entertainment. Your business. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. This is the Rich Rothman Show on 1360 WKAT. You know, I happen to like that song. I thought you might. Oh, that's a very... Elvis was cool. He's, he's the bomb. I mean, bomb. he was the king. He's the Mac Daddy. You know, and he's still selling millions and millions of dollars worth of records today. But, uh, but this happens to be one of my favorite Elvis Presley songs. Oh, one of mine, too. So uh, good for us that we can nice. play that. Anyway, welcome back. This is Rich Rothman on the Rich Rothman Show, 1360 WKAT. And, of course, we've got Wanda Miles here. Hi. Helping us out and doing the show with us and being just sparky. Sparky. Sparky today. I'm uh, tricked out. You are tricked out. Let me talk a little bit about, let's go back to cars and stuff in, in the uh, the economy. And then, you know, we'll see how we go with this by the time uh, Neil Asbury calls. Um, if you've been following the markets lately, you know, General Motors and uh, the auto uh, industries, this goes back a few weeks for us. We talked about uh, Mercedes-Benz has indicated that they're going to get off of uh, internal combustion engines using gasoline in about seven years, and we, uh, a number of other car companies are doing that. We indicated that Ford's in the process of uh, figuring it out and retooling, and they're going to bring European cars for production in the United States. General Motors, when we're going to be on, on GM for a while today, is doing the same thing in the sense that uh, they've been working on biofuels and flex fuels, and they've been working for a couple of years on a very exciting car which they premiered uh, within the last year or so called the Volt. It was actually on campus at uh, Florida International University uh, when they had a, uh, an energy conference. But the Volt, if you've not had a chance to, uh, to look at it, you, you really should go uh, online. And, and there are a couple of places. I mean, the easiest thing is just Google uh, General Motors Volt, uh, and, you, and you'll find it. But there are a gazillion uh, websites that relate to, uh, to the Volt. But, and the point is this, I'm going to get back, get off of GM for a second, that the autos, you know, the, the, uh, the European markets kind of fell down a bit today, uh, and because of, uh, well, first of all, BMW, which was staying out of this practice, is now indicating that, um, uh, you know, they're, they're having a profit warning, and, and that's, uh, you know, not good for us. And then, of course, General Motors today announced a uh, second quarter loss of about 15 billion dollars, $15.5 billion second quarter loss, which part of it happens to be, you know, it's a lot of charges, $9.1 billion in one-time charges, including $3.3 billion for the buyouts of 19,000 U.S. hourly workers and other things that relate to it. And also, if you understand finance, if you're going to have a bad year, you're going to have a bad quarter, and, you, and there are charge-offs coming that you're going to have to, you're going to, have to account for on your returns, on your corporate reporting, then you might as well do it now. Get it out of the way. If you're going to have a bad year, have a bad year. And you can hope coming out and going into the next year, going into the next quarter, going into the next half of the year, that 
uh, things will improve because you've cleaned up, you, you've, you've gotten all the garbage out, you, you've listed it. So one would hope that this is what, what you know, Jim Jerome is doing. But the thing that interests me, and, and, and I want you to think about it because, you know, I'm a conspiratorial type of person, that uh, uh, I, I just cannot accept the fact that this just happened suddenly, that all of a sudden in the last four or five months, six months, that everything went to hell and uh, oil just uh, absolutely quadrupled in price and went to almost $150 a barrel. I just, I'm of the t ilk the type of person that believes that this is this is planned. Someone is planning this. That this is a plan with the Mideast. This is planned with the people. There are actually people in the U.S. that want to see us fail. There are certainly people in Europe that want to see us fail. The only way people can defeat the Western society is not militarily. We can defeat anybody, but the problem is it's the enemy within, and we can't defeat them very often unless we're organized economically. And you can get us economically. Oil is the, is the catch-all. So when you start seeing companies like BMW and General Motors and uh, Ford and Chrysler and uh, Mercedes-Benz and even Toyota and Nissan are, are recasting their projections for the years that things are bad and they may have to be layoffs or whatever they're going to have to do to make the balance sheet look better and keep the company alive because it is your fiduciary responsibility to keep the company going. You know, bad things are happening and, and uh, nobody should ever think for a second that, you know, well, it's GM's fault. They should have done this. They haven't made really great cars. and They really missed the market. Yeah, they did. But with the SUVs, I thought the Hummer was a really stupid thing for someone to drive to get six miles to the gallon, whatever it is. And and for Ford to go, you know, with their incredible expeditions and and all these huge, ridiculous cars that just like dinosaurs, man. You know, go back and look at the long cars of the 60s and 70s, and uh, all kind of faded away. Everyone panicked right away in about 73. When oil uh, and OPEC uh, got organized and you know, basically screwed the rest of the world, uh, those big cars weren't looking so good. So I just, I'm sorry, I, I just, nobody wants GM to fail. Nobody wants Ford to fail. Nobody. Because I got to tell you, you know, what's good for General Motors is good for the United States, still works. That's a lot of human beings out there working, a lot of corporations supplying, a lot of people overseas relying upon. You know, General Motors does great in Asia. You know, they want, they want, want the number one car in, in, in China is the Buick. Not the Hummer? No, it's not the Hummer, but it's the Buick. You go over to China, you see every type of car in the world, luxury car. It's a whole different ballgame over there now. But nobody wants these companies to fail. Look at the, the economic impact. It would be, be terrible. So um, anyway, now that we've tech, here's my segue. Here's okay. my segue. I my like segue that. is world economies. And, uh, and now we have Neil Asbury on the phone. Neil! Hey, how you doing? How you doing, guy? How's uh, you're you're up north now. Let's let everyone know you're 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 in a wonderful place right now. Well, that's yeah, Cape Cod. I know, God, and he's gonna have lobster tonight. Oh, I've had it for four nights in a row. I know it's yes. everywhere. That's the I'm one thing, man. You go up there and they have it on the street. You get these lobster rolls on the street. Oh, there you go, the lobster roll, man. Oh, God, it's my favorite. What a treat. I just I prefer that than just sitting down and eating it. I just because you can walk around, do things. Then they get out in the water and it's gorgeous. Anyway, Neil Asbury, our resident um, absolute PhD man on uh, on international trade with Greenfield. Um, you know, it's very interesting. We were discussing uh, off air that you know uh, uh, Brazil is very upset with tariffs, evidently, and uh, Brazil wants to go back to the WTO and, and file suit. Uh, because of the 54 cent uh, per gallon tariff on their exported ethanol, which they're very much trying to get into the United States, which if you think about it, I think we really would like to get them in the United States because that's one thing that would impact the price of fuel 
uh, rather quickly. But there, are, you know, it's a two-edged sword, isn't it? There's a, it's not exactly a fair playing field, is it? Well, you know, I mean, you know, I, I don't want to uh, comment on the energy policy of this because that is something. No, that's what I'm talking about. You're, I'm talking about you, Brazil as a trader. Yeah, you're the expert on the energy side, right. but as a trading uh, issue, right? Trading. I mean, Brazil is, um, you know, it's it, it is the most protected market in the world, um, and in, as far as its tariffs. It's protectionism, uh, the legalities of doing trade there. It is, it is absolutely insane. I mean, looking at Brazil on paper, you would think that you know this country would be one of the economic superpowers. Superpowers, a superpower in many different aspects, but certainly in in in, in its economy and trade and so forth. But it's totally stifled by its uh, uh, leadership, and it doesn't matter whether it goes to a leftist, to a rightist uh, a leadership, uh, its trade policies don't change. Uh, an interesting illustration of, of, of how uh, their economy is being stifled um, is I, I was recently asked to speak uh, before a Brazilian business group here in Florida, uh, and it's, it's a young group of entrepreneurs and I ask them, you know, give me a little bit of information about the group. They have over 10,000 members. They have over 10,000 members uh, in, in Florida alone. What does that tell me? It tells me that the young entrepreneur in Brazil doesn't have a chance. Uh, they have to immigrate. And in talking, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very much involved in Export University. Uh, uh, as you know, it's one of our uh, uh, district export council uh, projects that's been incredibly successful. We've had uh, hundreds of students come through our classes in the last 24 months, and so many from Brazil. And, and I'm meeting all these young Brazilian entrepreneurs all the time coming to America to, to, to build their dreams. I mean, they're moving that? here. They're they're, they're, they're leaving Brazil. I mean, oh yeah, they're moving here. And when you talk to them, it's that you know they just don't feel they have any opportunity in their own country. They have to immigrate, and and they're coming here, uh, very educated, uh, taking you know, uh, you know, remedial sort of uh, uh, jobs, you know, looking for that opportunity. And and I see these guys, and there's some and girls, and there's some incredible talent there. And as a businessman who's gone to Brazil um, several times, and was you know who's very actively engaged in Brazil. On on a day-to-day basis in my in my um, Greenfield World Trade activities, uh, you know, you take a look at some of the much smaller economies in South America. We do so much more business than in a country like Brazil that's got the population, it's got the natural resources, it's got the it's got the wealth that you would expect. This would be a great, vibrant uh, a marketplace, both for exports and for imports. But the but the uh, the, the the whole tariff structure it reminds me. Um, uh, uh, they, they have this, this of South Africa uh, back during the apartheid, and at that time it was the world that built a wall around South Africa because of its outrage to apartheid. And South Africa, as a result, had to had to um, manufacture just anything and everything because nobody would trade with them. Uh, and they ended up making some things pretty pretty decent um, because they had to. Uh, but after the walls broke down, South Africa reengaged in the international marketplace. It brought its tariffs down. Uh, it opens up its markets. 
it continues to export and it imports, and it's and, and it's a you know it's a good healthy market. Um, whereas you have this kind of self-imposed exile that Brazil has made uh, 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 with the world as far as letting any sort of imports into the country uh, and strictly relying on this sort of apartheid economy that existed in South Africa, which the elitists and only the elitists in Brazil benefit from. So here they are threatening to bring the United States, uh, as you told me in this offline conversation, uh, to the WTO. And that's another thing we could get into about uh, you know, the WTO, which is, which is uh, it, just an incredible organization in itself and is full of all sorts of um, nice guys. Uh, slippery slopes for Americans, uh, American diplomats and American businessmen. But it's funny that Brazil would be the one, you know, to, to take the United States to the WTO as, as being unfair. I mean, Brazil and its, and its um, uh, partner in crime, uh, India, you know, India and Brazil, I mean, are just, you know, almost uh, uh, identical as far as talking the rhetoric of, of trade and globalization and all of this, but yet building walls around them. And if they don't get you on duties and tariffs, which... 70, 80 percent, uh, they get you on all sorts of other uh, uh, um, approvals and um, uh, licensing and um, uh, 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 financial obligations and so forth in order to trade um, uh, with, uh, you know, with its, with its businesses. Um, so, you know, so, you know, I, I'm not feeling uh, very comfortable about Brazil's uh, fairness here in trying to implicate the United States. Though as an energy policy, you know, maybe there's something to it. Maybe we should be looking more into uh, ethanol, and, and that I'm not uh, so up on. But as far as, uh, uh, you know, the calling the United States as an unfair trader, I mean, is truly calling the kettle black. Well, yeah, I was, gonna, <laughs> I was exactly going to say that. You beat me to the punch. Um, but let's talk about, go back to the WTO for a minute. You know, what, what happened to the WTO? You know, when you think about China, and China applied for admission to the WTO a long time ago. They've been well, that, yeah, trying that, to get they into they seated, the WTO. Yeah, China acceded to the uh, WTO, I believe it was back in 2003. Mm -hmm. uh, they acceded to the WTO. And, and we could you know, spend a whole show just talking about how China has acceded to the WTO and made all sorts of commitments and then take a look at those commitments and, and, they break and see them. where they are. And they haven't nearly you know, acted on those commitments. But the WTO, more or less is 149 members of very diverse nations. Um, the WTO is kind of the trade equivalent uh, to the United Nations. But, but the WTO is even more radical, if you can even believe that. And what we have given to the WTO... That's a, that's a pretty big statement, Neil. I mean, to be more oh, radical more, than the United Nations. Much more radical. And, and, and think about this. Rich, for one second, WTO, 149 uh, really diverse nations, each one with veto power. So Sierra Leone or Chad um, or you know Venezuela yeah. uh, could veto uh, the will of all other members. So it just takes one no for any sort of initiative to be thwarted. Uh, you know, so imagine that. Number two. Uh, imagine this, is that we gave our trade sovereignty to this organization. No longer can we unilaterally, like we used to back in the 70s and 80s, 
be able to um, uh, impose sanctions or penalties to those that erect barriers to American products. And I don't know if you remember, once upon a time, um, we had uh, Section 301 of the Trade Act of 1974 uh, that provided um, measures, uh, uh, statutory authority to the President of the United States to impose trade sanctions against countries that maintain barriers and policies and practices that deny uh, American companies uh, benefits to our trade agreements, who, countries that, that restrict or burden or discriminate against U.S. commerce. And then in uh, 1989, uh, the Trade Act was further amended uh, with Super 301, which gave the U.S. Trade Representative authority to publicly identify countries that had unfair um, trade practices uh, or had major impediments to U.S. exports. The offending countries uh, would be given a short period of time, and if they were not forthcoming and scrapping their barriers, uh, it gave the President of the United States authority to retaliate. And I bring that up because Super 301 helped to revalue the Japanese yen back in 1989. I remember that very clearly uh, when the yen was 240, 250 to 1, and then almost overnight it went down to 120. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it strengthened. That meant it strengthened by over 50% against the U.S. dollar. Right. Uh, you know, contrast that today with what's happening with China and the RMB. We have no, um, we have no mechanism. The United States government has no mechanism to, to go after uh, these countries uh, that have these designated barriers uh, and having American solutions for them. We've given that authority to the WTO, and the blocks of people that are on these committees, the blocks of countries, are, are very uh, anti-American. It's almost like giving away uh, our military. It is tantamount. It's not almost. It is exactly the same. It is tantamount to, to us surrendering U.S. security and putting the U.S. military under the command of the United Nations. Would we do that? No. But, but you know what? But there, you well, know what? But why would we put the econ the uh, economic futures of our citizens in the hands of these group of countries that are in their uh, uh, resolution uh, uh, dispute uh, dispute resolution uh, committee the the uh, yeah, re dispute resolution yeah the DRC of the uh, WTO? Why would we give our sovereignty away to these? nations with very anti-American positions and have them decide upon what is in our economic future as far as it as, as it relates to trade. Well, you know what? It's absolutely insane. Yeah, it is. You know what it's called? It's called, to the left, the Democratic Party. It's called Obama. It's this global concept. You know, the, the great... Well, if we talk about opt-out, I mean, you, you you said it, not me, but if you... No, I'm saying it. Out, yeah, I hit this all the time. If you talk about renegotiating, you don't want to renegotiate what has worked incredibly well, NAFTA. Exactly. You want to go after this WTO thing, which has taken away the American president's authority to negotiate trade and to retaliate against barriers and unfair practices. I mean, you could just take a look at what happened when President Reagan put his foot down. He had the mechanism in order to get Japan, which was absolutely steadfast in railroading the United States, 
in maintaining these incredible um, uh, 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 surpluses, conversely, our deficits, um, through this unfair, um, uh, totally insane peg that they had with the Japanese yen. The USTR identified uh, the Japanese and the Japanese yen policy as being an unfair, an unfair barrier to trade, and the president acted upon it. And what happened was incredible, because as an American exporter living in Japan at the time, man, we seen incredible boost to our business. And contrast that today with China. The American president has no authority whatsoever. He has no weapon. He has nothing. That's right. And and if you and if, the, and if certain people do get their way and they get elected to office, the, the, the biggest response that Obama got was when he was denigrating, in some form and fashion, you know, American. And America can't do this alone. We've got to do it with Europe. When he when he when he espouses the the um, the uh, liberal social uh, uh, socialist comments that he comes out with. Uh, that, you know, America has to knock itself down a peg or two, I think. I mean, this is, these are things that are out there every day. Well, it's, 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 it's incredible that we would have, you know, a, a leading politician, uh, saying knocking us rubbish. But, um, you know, just consider, uh, you know, what we have done with the WTO and by giving our trade sovereignty away to an organization that does not have the interest of the American worker an American citizen at heart by any stretch of the imagination, the WTO, whose average tariff is well over 30%, whereas the average tariff of WTO product nations entering the United States is slightly more than two. I mean, do the math. I mean, a country, our country, which has a legal structure which allows of foreign countries to come in and build their distribution, their transportation, uh, their intellectual property, whatever it is that they want to invest in to further their economic um, interest in the United States, uh, they're welcome to do that where we don't have any sort of reciprocal um, uh, rights to these member countries. And yet, our, 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 whenever we come across these barriers, which is just Anywhere and everywhere we look every day in our lives, we have no authority. Our president has no authority to act. That's right. So why isn't, and this is, you know, the, the $10 million question, why isn't Senator Obama saying anything about that? If he wants to talk about trade, why isn't he saying anything about that? Well, there are a couple of reasons, one of which he, he's, uh, he's supported by the AFL-CIO, which is anti-trade that way. Number two, he's supported by MoveOn.org. And number three, he's supported by the far left. Number four, he doesn't understand it, Neil. That's the sad part. He doesn't get it. But we're going to have to take a break. Uh, you off You off and running right now? Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, it's, it's yeah, I, I really should be going. Um, I got a, 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 a couple of events I need to attend this evening. Well, you so, go do uh, it. You have a lot lobster, of fun. Some lobster. So yeah, he's, he's got to go out and get some lobster. That's what he's got to yeah. get. Yeah. So, and he's, uh, listen, you have a wonderful holiday up there, and we'll see you when you get back. Hey, very good. I'll talk to you next week. Stay well. Bye-bye. Be good. Bye. That's the bottom line. The bottom line is, you see, they just don't get it. Hmm. He, I mean, when you listen, we're going to talk about this in a second. I'm going to go back to Obama for a conversation. Uh, when we come back from the break. Anyway, this is Rich Rothman on the Rich Rothman Show along with Wanda Miles. We're going to be right back on 1360. Stay there.
Where in South Florida can you find a truly elegant hotel with 276 luxury guest rooms, offering a newly renovated championship golf course, tennis courts, the largest hotel swimming pool in the country with private poolside cabanas, a world-class spa, and an award-winning fitness center with a restaurant that Zagat called one of the best restaurants in the country, all spread over a 150-acre tropical paradise landscape. Give up? At Biltmore Carl Gables, Miami, a golf and spa resort. Built in 1926, Biltmore Carl Gables, Miami, the golf and spa resort, is a South Florida landmark. With all the amenities to make your next getaway weekend or night away from the kids a memorable experience. Visit www.biltmorehotel.com for more information or call 1-800-747-1926 for reservations. Your next great getaway weekend or night out awaits you at Biltmore Coral Gables, Miami, a golf and spa resort. Headquartered in Coral Gables, the International Trade and Business Development Division of Enterprise Florida provides an array of programs and services to Florida manufacturers, export intermediaries, and professional services providers in conjunction with a network of trade and economic development partners around the state. Enterprise Florida can assist your business growth into the global markets with export counseling, overseas trade missions and exhibitions, Team Florida missions, special trade enhancement programs, qualified international trade leads, export Finance, the Florida International Services Network, the Florida Trade Partners Alliance, International Investment Services, the International Office Network, including Belgium, Brazil, Canada, Colombia, Germany, Israel, Japan, Mexico, South Africa, Spain, Taiwan, the United Kingdom, China, and the Czech Republic. Enterprise Florida, helping to take your business overseas. For more information, call 305-808-3660 or visit us online at www. Hi, I'm Rich Rothman, and here's a great opportunity for all of my listeners who are attorneys, CPAs, physicians, and dentists. You know, now you can borrow up to $625,000, including lines of credit, term and vehicle loans, at exceptional rates and terms. Introducing Total Pro financial lending packages from Total Bank, especially designed for attorneys, CPAs, physicians, and dentists. The best, easiest, and fastest financial assistance you could ever wish to have, whether you have an established practice or you're just starting. Out. And with Total Bank, it's minimum paperwork and 24-hour pre-approval. Just visit www.totalbank.com for all the details. Or you can call Ivis Leon at 305-476-6273. I'm going to tell you again, that's 305-476-6273. And remember, easy lending with Total Pro from Total Bank. Apply today. Total Bank. Member FDIC. No name is more synonymous with success than Miami Dolphins owner H. Wayne Heisinger, architect of three Fortune 500 companies, including AutoNation and Blockbuster. This renowned entrepreneur has brought his unique business approach to the classroom with the Heisinger School of Business at Nova Southeastern University. With a faculty of real-world leaders and a curriculum based on Heisinger's entrepreneurial ideals, the Heisinger School of Business offers a rare opportunity to learn the ropes from someone who's climbed their way to the very top. Apply now at nova.edu business. 
The Port of Miami is the second largest economic engine in our community, providing an annual economic base of over $16 billion and over 100,000 jobs. These are high-paying in-demand jobs, very much coveted by other cities and ports throughout the Americas. We're fortunate to have this business, and of that $16 billion, international trade and cargo at the port accounts for over $13 billion per year, a significant fact, as well as a significant economic impact for all of us, the Port of Miami, working to enhance and contribute to the economic success of our country, further reinforcing Miami and South Florida as the gateway to the Americas. Do you own a business outsourcing your accounting? Then call the accounting and tax experts at TNJ Tax Service. For over 30 years, TNJ Tax Service has been preparing taxes for South Florida companies and individuals. As enrolled agents with the Internal Revenue Service, the pros at TNJ Tax Service can represent you or your company professionally to the IRS. Have challenges with your company's bookkeeping? Then call TNJ Tax Services. QuickBooks certified. TNJ Tax Services can provide training on QuickBooks for any small business. If you need monthly or quarterly bookkeeping services to handle all of your payroll and business needs, then you need to call TNJ Tax Service, located at Taft and Flamingo in the Pillbox Plaza. Call 954-432-1700. 954-432-1700. TNJ Tax Services. No one covers local, national, and world news like Rich Rothman. And no one covers local, national, and world shipping like DHL. DHL. Customer service is back in shipping. It's South Florida's newest and freshest talk show. Oh, it's true. This is the Rich Rothman Show. It's true. On 1360. It's true. It's true. WKAT. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, it is, uh, what time is it? It's about 4.40. In the 40. afternoon on Friday. 4.41. Close to that 5 o'clock witching hour. When mm. people are really, then they can really call and say they're they're not. Let they're not it loose. Let it go. Yeah. Enjoy the weekend. They're over at uh, on the water somewhere, having a, a cool one. Hey, um, let me just chat a little bit about uh, the Obama thing. Okay. I just I can't let it go by right. because it's going to be stale by next week and and. Uh, well, there'll just be more next week. Well, yeah. If the way things <laughs> are going, um, here here's the deal. Here, here's where I'm coming. Today. People are, are McCain is saying yesterday that you know well, Obama's playing the race card, mm. and of course Obama's people are saying we're not playing the race card. McCain's people are playing the race card. Mm-hmm. That's the way that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but if you start thinking about some of the things that's happening with Obama, he he is eroding some of his support. A couple of points we ought to keep in mind, and, and I'm not going to have all the stats in front of me right now, but I you know, get him in two seconds if you want. The the but everyone knows this that the uh, when you look at the Gallup polls and uh, as of day to day and what's going on the race is is basically even you're about two points three points off uh, the way Obama you know uh, swept through Europe last week uh, you would have thought he'd have a huge bounce ten points fifteen points thirteen points something rather significant didn't happen so you got to ask yourself why didn't it happen you know what, what's going on why are people not saying whoa you know, and, and, and I think there are a couple of reasons why it's not happening that we're hearing. Number one, he does play a race card. And if he, people are starting to see that and they're getting annoyed with it. Uh, the most recent one is when uh, McCain, McCain's folks are saying, you know, uh, when he was in uh, Berlin, which was audacious that he would be in front of the, uh, where the Berlin Wall was, uh, where two other presidents have spoken in the past who are presidential because they were actually elected presidents, where elite group, you know, world leaders have spoken, for him to suddenly show up 
and, uh, and, and basically invite 200,000 people to come was a pretty audacious thing to do. The fact that he used a, uh, a seal, the Obama campaign seal, that if you look at that, go online, go look at it. He's stopped using it. That looked very presidential. It starts to act, and he's getting ahead of himself. He's not elected yet. He's a Leo. He's a junior <laughs> senator. All right, he's a junior senator. But let's go back to the race thing, because I, we've talked about this before. And you can't ignore race, because people are what they are. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you got to. I think it's, it's healthier to address it than not. What but is you, the race card? Could you explain that to well, me? Well, here's the deal, and here, here's where it's going. And it really started with Geraldine Farrar, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and, and the race card, no, I take that back. It started with, with Bill Clinton in South Carolina. And uh, I think the Obama people, and they're pretty slick. I, I thought, you know, Clinton was slick. That's his nickname. But these guys are slicker. You know, they're, they're younger and slicker. Hmm. And... Um, I think they were trying to find a way that they could really get Hillary out, take her out. And by going face-to-face -face with her, that wasn't going to work necessarily because she, she did get more votes. I mean, she got the popular vote. He won the caucuses, which is a very, very uh, – uh, not underhand. That's not what I'm trying to say. But the voting is done in public, so there's a lot of intimidation. But she won the popular vote. You go in a booth, you shut the drape, push the button, or you pull the little thing, or you write it in, whatever you do in your state, in your county – and she won it. So they had to find a way to beat, you know, get him out. You got to take him out. And uh, cause they don't like the Clintons very much. A lot of people don't like the Clintons very much. Mm -hmm. But um, big party machine. I mean, God, they're a big party machine. So when, when Bill Clinton started making comments um, about who ba Oba uh, Barack Obama is or his, uh, in this case, he was saying he was a, an unschooled in terms of the world. He wasn't a worldly person. He wasn't prepared to be the president. He didn't have the experience card. Uh, even uh, Biden made a comment a year ago yes. calling him a clean-cut kid. And they said, well, that was a racist comment, too. The way to really make it racist but not make it racist is by playing the race card. And I'll give you an example. To call Bill Clinton racist is outrageous because Bill Clinton is not racist. If That's anything, true. he was called the first black president. He, he had a lot of black people he worked with. Yes, he was just... loved in the black community. <laughs> he understood the black community. But so, he's not a black man. He's not a black man, but he's not a racist. Just because you're white doesn't make you a racist. Just because you're black doesn't make you a racist either. But, uh, but mm. so th that, was, that was the start. And I really thought they saw that going back to Biden a year ago when he called Obama clean cut. Now, my mother used to call me when I was dressed right in a suit or something, clean cut. Or she would look at some college kid and say, look, look at that clean cut kid. It had nothing to do with their color whatsoever. But to start playing this race card, that was a way to make America look at him differently. And now that I said that, let's take a look at the Berlin speech that he gave. And this is, relates specifically to uh, what John McCain was saying yesterday and the big brouhaha. I mean, Andrea Mitchell's all up in arms defending Obama and you know, stating this really is, you know, McCain's comments are racist. Nonsense. Here are his words, which is, of course, remember, of course, he's there not as a politician and not as a candidate. He's just your typical American going over to Berlin uh, for bratwurst and beer. And he says, I come to Berlin, as so many of my countrymen have before. Tonight, I speak to you not as a candidate, but as a proud citizen of the United States and a fellow citizen of the world. And here's where it comes in. 
I know that I don't look like the Americans who previously spoken in this great city. Let me say that again. I know that I don't look like the Americans who have previously spoken in this great city. The journey that led me here, born in the heartland of America, but my father grew up herding goats in Kenya. Let me say that again. But my father grew up herding goats in Kenya, and he's saying, I know I don't look like the Americans who previously spoken in this great... Well, I'm sorry, Andrea Mitchell and anybody else who's saying that's, you know, uh, McCain's wrong for saying he's playing the race car. Of course he is. How are we looking at him differently? Is it his ears because they're big? Is it the suits that he wears? Um, is it the way he points his fingers? Is it the uh, the way he smiles in a, in, in a very, you know, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't understand what that would mean. The only thing that could mean is that, yeah, the other people who have spoken there are, you know, white Anglo-Saxon. They've been there. They've been up there doing that. And he's a black man. I don't care he's a black man. But don't show it, you know, throw it into my face. And don't throw it into the politicians' faces. Because then it becomes racist. And what happens then, if you acknowledge that, in either way, you become a racist. And that's how Obama wins. Because if McCain says, well, wait a minute, he's playing a race card. He's saying, look at me, I'm different. That's what he's saying. That's the only thing he could mean. But then if someone says, well, wait a minute, John McCain's being racist. He's talking about his color again. That's not right. I mean, after all, this is what Obama's uh, leading guy, uh, David Plouffe, said. Obama campaign manager David Plouffe said, we weren't suggesting in any way he's using race as an issue, but that McCain is using the same old low-road politics that voters are very unhappy about to distract voters from the real issues in this campaign. Well, it is a racist issue. And, and, I, and I have to tell you, from my perspective, Obama makes it a racist issue. Not because he happens to be black, because he plays the race card all the time. Look at me. This is where I am. America should you know, be upset the way we treated black people for all these years, hundred years. has nothing to do with this generation whatsoever. I don't, I mean, it just doesn't. I don't have any guilt whatsoever about what happened in the 1860s or the 1500s or the 1700s. Who said that? Oh, he's been saying that for a long time. His whole campaign has been based on America's guilt. America's guilt. America's guilt. He says it over and over again. That was his whole comeback when Reverend Wright's speech blew up a few months ago. Go look, Go back. Go online. Go look at the speech. He talks about America's role in slavery. And that was, again, shifting what we were talking about. Well, isn't race an issue, though? Is it? Race, race can is be an, an issue. issue, and the issue should be, are you prepared to elect a black person to be the president? Or, in gender, were you prepared to elect a female as a president? Were you prepared to elect an Italian, if it were Cuomo, as a president? Were you prepared to vote for a Jew, Lieberman, as a vice president or as a president? That's, or, or, and for that matter, it became a Mormon thing for uh, Romney. Or were you prepared, evidently not, to have a Mormon? That is out in the open and honest. But when you start saying things, you know, I know I look, I don't look, let me get it right, I want to get it exactly right. I know that I don't look like the Americans who have previously spoken in this great city. The only thing that he can be talking about is the, the color of his skin. It has nothing to do with his ears or his hair or, or just a doesn't. It has to do with what he is. Now, if you're going to say that, then you give yourself the opening to have people say, well, he's playing a race card. And you know what? He is. And, and John McCain has every right to, uh, to campaign. Now, 
Now let's talk about some of the the the, the ads that are coming out because I'm starting to enjoy the ads that are coming out on both sides. I have to I have to admit that this is starting to be fun. For one thing, I'm very pleased to see McCain is getting his strength back and he's actually coming out with uh, with uh, advertising campaigns that are absolutely attacking. You know, this one was the racing, another one is the rock star thing, and they they complained. Obama's people complained that you can't. What are you, what are you talking? He's a rock star. He's not a rock star. You can't compare him to Britney Spears and Paris Hilton and things like that. You have to. He's he's a he's a candidate. He's a presidential candidate. Well, yeah, he is a presidential candidate. But let's go back to how he places himself and how he positions positions himself. I almost said that word right. Positions himself. He's on the front cover of more magazines than any other candidate. He's on the front newspaper, uh, front page, page one above the fold than more candidates. He gets more coverage on the internet. He's on every shock thing that's exciting out there. He he runs his campaigns like they're rock stars, like he's American Idol. So yeah, he's become an American icon overnight. The way the uh, the youth of this country view an American Idol. That's exactly what he's become. There's no question about that. He's done that. And and uh, the problem is, and where I think he gets himself in trouble is that he denies it. His people deny it. He's not. I mean, Andrea Mitchell even denied it again but for him. On TV. He's not, you can't deny it. It's exactly what it is. But That's but how he's played the campaign. But comparing him to Britney and Paris Hilton? Yeah, right. No. I, Why? I, still, I don't see it. Why? Either. No, talk to me about that. Why? Because Britney and Paris Hilton are looked at as just ridiculous. But they're looked at as icons no, in the youthful at, market. They're looked at as ridiculous. I don't know if they're looked at totally. There I is a certain, yes, I look, look at, at them as I look at them as, as absurd. But a lot of people still look at them because they're stars. They're in that star environment. And you know what? This guy, let me tell you something. Pick a star let me tell you something. He is going to go ahead and accept his nomination, not in the convention center. He's going to go out into a stadium with 75,000 people. That's not rock star? Come on. That's Paris rock star. Hilton he goes, to, he goes to Berlin. Ridiculous. He goes to Berlin. Okay. And, he, and, he, and of course, no one talked about how those 200,000 people came there wow what are we doing today i don't know let's go to the brandenburg gate let's go see because obama's going to now we got him there did, did you see that anywhere except on a couple of of, of uh lines on the internet somewhere he had rock concerts there and he gave away beer and he gave away bratwurst and these hundreds of thousands of people showed up you know and why are they there well they're probably there a little bit to see about obama after all he paid for it his people paid for it so come on he is a rock star. If you don't think this guy's acting like a rock star, oh, I don't deny wrong. the rock star. He is. I deny the comparison to Britney Spears. Well, but, well, how else? All right, fine. Let's compare him to any other rock star. Well, yeah. I'll do that. I'll go for any other rock any star. Other rock I'll star. do that. Fine. That's fine. Good. But comparing fine. him to Paris Hilton and Britney Spears, uh, it's just ridiculous. I think it, it makes the point. Absurdity makes the point. Well, okay. Absurdity makes the point. Hey, it's you're gonna on make the air. a point. You know, when you're acting in a movie and you're trying to make an expression. Because I used to write script, you have to overdo that expression to get that expression across. Well, so that's a negative ad then. Excessiveness makes the point. So that's where I'm coming from. In okay. this. Now, if you're going to be that way, I don't care. I, I, oh, my arm hurts. I really mm. don't care. It doesn't really bother me. I don't care. But keep it an even playing field. So if you're going to act like that, and someone says you are acting like that, say, hey, you know what? But it's working. You know, I'm this obscure person well, who had no track record. I'm now, politics. I'm running, it's I'm up politics. there. 
Well, but, but politics, they're not going to... Can I ask you a question? They're going to deny. Let me ask, you, let me ask you a question. Wanda, I want to ask you a question. He's going to deny. I want to ask you a question. Exactly. Here's the question. Go ahead. Do you think politics is nice? No. No. Do you think it's kind of dirty, underhanded, under the table, let's make a deal, Monty Hall style? I don't know a lot about politics, but it's for that reason, probably. I can't say that I am a political person. It is a really... But not it seems nice. pretty nasty. Not nice environment to be in. It not just isn't. All. It's a really miserable. I'm sorry. It's it's Monty Hall to the best. Let's make a deal. Go watch you know some of the movies from the 50s and the 60s. You know the Last Man and the things like that. All, all these political statements. You know uh, Henry Fonda was in one. Burt Lancaster was in another one. Where all the deals are made. Used to be in the old days, you dig up any dirt you could dig up to get that person. So you know what. You've got to separate yourself from the from the other guy who uh, who's running and, and say, you know what, I'm going to attack him. I'm going to attack him because, you know what, I'm going for the most powerful office in the world, which is the presidency of the United States. And you know what, you, you're not, if you think a nice guy, if you think JFK and his group were nice guys to get elected, you're out of your mind. If you think Ronald Reagan is a was a nice guy, well, he forgot he was a nice guy after a while because he had Alzheimer's, but was a nice guy. He was not a nice guy. You think Jimmy Carter is a nice guy? I don't. I think he's a moron. I, I really think he's an embarrassment to this country. But nobody gets where they are because they're nice guys. I'll take it out of that for a second. Now, if you want to go back to entertainment, do you think anybody in the entertainment world who gets way to the top, whether you're a, a director, you know, whether you're a director like James Cameron, for example, that's a good example. What did he say when he got the, the Academy Award for Titanic? It wasn't, I want to thank, you know, James Cagney. I want to thank my mother. I mean, my mother thanks you. My father thanks you. No, he grabs the, the, the trophy, he grabs the little Oscar, and he goes, King of the world! Because it's their ego. Because they're not nice guys. Because nice guys can't win in that business. It's a really hard business to get to the top. It's a machine that you've got to be. Politics is to the max on that because politics isn't just the money, it's the power. And the power is the most seducing, seductive thing next to sex. And sex is part of it, probably. So so when I listen to you know people complaining, and either way, it upsets me when they say, Well, I'm not a rock star. How could you compare Obama to a rock star? How could you say he's you know, how could you say I'm playing the race card? Well, maybe because let me think. What did you say just the other day? I know that I don't look like the Americans who've previously spoken here. I don't know what the hell you mean by that then. Because that's what you're talking about. That's just a reality, man. It's okay. Just accept it. If you say it, accept it. If you are it, then be it. And say, yeah, you know what? That's who I am. I'm going to do this because you know what? I want to win that office. And I'm going to do the best job possibly. And you know what? It's cool. It's okay. This is who I am. But don't don't make it don't go out on the limb and make a statement. Act like the president and previous presidents and and make racist comments about yourself and your family. My God, what did he mean by bringing his father in with comments about Kenya? Come on, enough already. What? Enough already. Yes, in this speech he talked about his father goat herding in Kenya. I, I, I still understand why that's racist. Because it's all relying back on his Afro background, Wanda. That's why. That's the race card. Afro-American. His father is black. from Kenya. It is, but what's the point of that? The point is, why did he bring any of that up? To segregate. Wow, what a funny thing I should use that word. To segregate himself from the rest of the people who were there prior to that. 
That's why he brought it up to differentiate himself. He brought it up to make the point that I am different than the other people that are that were here. And the reason I'm different is what you see is what you get. That's the bottom line. This is Rich Hoffman. We're going to come right back, and we're going to have Pat Catania here telling us what's going on in the insurance world. And boy, have I got a story for you.